we look back at 2020 and we see pain, confusion, disruption. We think about the, the year that is finally coming to an end. And we remember the pandemic and the illness and the deaths. We remember racial conflict. We will remember political conflict, riots, lightning strikes. It's been a rough year. This morning, you and I have an important decision, I guess we'd say. We have two options. One is that we can look at 2020 and we can focus on how bad things are because they're bad. And you have every right to do that. Or we can just decide. We can choose that even though things are indeed bad, we're not going to deny that, but we can choose to rejoice and to trust in God. That's exactly where Jeremiah was in the book of Lamentations. If you have your copy of Scripture with you, you might start looking for the little book of Lamentations. It's in the Old Testament, and because it's small, sometimes it's easy to overlook. If you find Jeremiah, Jeremiah is a big book, and Lamentations is right next door. So if you find Jeremiah, then find Lamentations. Lamentations is the saddest book of the Bible. Jeremiah finds himself in, 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 in an experience that in some ways we can relate to. He looks around his hometown and he sees destruction, pain, loss. Many people have died, many have been hurt. Many are missing. Many have been taken captive. Jeremiah tried to warn the people, folks, we're the people of God. If we don't act like the people of God, then he is going to send the enemies in to teach us, to shake us up, to make us realize that we're disobedient. But the people wouldn't listen. And now in spite of his best efforts, he looks around and he sees the rubble that is left now that the enemy has indeed come in and destroyed the town, taken people away and killed many. And so he sits down and he laments. That word means to express great grief. So Lamentations is a book expressing great grief. And that whole book 
covers his pain and his sorrow and his loss. And yet, right in the very middle of that book, I mean, if you were to count the verses, I think it winds up being right smack dab in the middle of the book. In the darkest, saddest book of the Bible, we find a great ray of hope. There is this bright light that all of a sudden shines in the midst of the darkness. And we find that in Lamentations 3. I want us to begin at verse 19 because it sets the stage just a little bit. Look with me now, Lamentations 3 and 19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. That is 2020, isn't it? My, remember my affliction speaks of pain and illness. My wanderings speaks of confusion. That is, that is our life lately. Remember my affliction and my wanderings. The wormwood and the gall, those are two phrases that, that um, uh, speak of bitterness. One is an herb and one is, one is what your gallbladder makes and it's yucky, nasty stuff and we won't go into it. But the point is, it's, they both represent bitterness. A bad experience. Jeremiah has the same choice that you and I have. He can stop there if he chooses. He can stop and he can just remember the affliction and the wanderings and the wormwood and the gall. You and I can do that too if we want to. We can just focus on how awful 2020 was. In verse 20, it says, My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Have you experienced that maybe this year or maybe some other times? I, I, I have really experienced that probably maybe three times in my life where the soul inside of me is just bowed down under the pressure. You, the, the stress, the tension, the heartache is so real that it, it actually feels heavy on your shoulders. He says, my soul is bowed down within me. And he could stop there if he wanted to. We would say he has every right. But look at 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How many of you knew that old hymn was actually from the scriptures? Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Great is thy faithfulness. But notice he says in, did you notice when we read verse 21? But this I call to mind. In other words, 
if he just continues life as normal, then his mind will automatically remember the gall and the bitterness, the wormwood. It will automatically remembering, remember the confusion and the wanderings. It will automatically remember the illness and the pain and the afflictions. That's where his mind will go automatically. But he says instead, this I call to mind. He's going to take an action. And he is deciding and choosing, I'm going to call something else into my mind. I'm going to demand that it comes forward. That's what it means to call it. I demand that it comes forward. And what is it that he's demanding into his own mind? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He says, that's what I choose to focus on. That's what I'm going to think about. In this passage, Jeremiah presents an idea that you and I need to carry with us. And that's the idea of even though. He says, even though I've had affliction, even though I've been wandering around, even though my life has been bitter, even though my soul continually remembers and is bowed down, even though all those things are true, I choose to think about the steadfast love of the Lord and his never-ending mercies. Through 2020, we've actually looked at a number of verses together that follow the same idea of even though. And in the time we have remaining, I want us, I want us just to kind of take a quick review of the year. Let's look back at, at some of the verses that you and I have shared together in 2020 that carry this idea of even though. And there happened to be 10 of them, so I was going to make it the top 10 scriptures of 2020, but that just doesn't sound right, does it? You can't pick some scriptures and say they're more important than others, and so this is not a top 10 list, but it is. But it's really not. Here are 20 verses, or 10 verses from, yeah, we're going to take a while. Ten verses, or ten passages, that we've already looked at in the previous year, but I want you to see them again through the lens of even though. You ready? Habakkuk, chapter 3, beginning at verse 6, or verse 17, really. Look, even though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the yield and the fields yield no food the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls even though all of those things are true even though everything in life is going wrong look at the next verse yet i will rejoice in the lord i will take joy in the God of my salvation. He is making a choice. Even though everything's going wrong, I have the right to focus on how bad life is, yet I choose 
Yet I will rejoice in the Lord and take joy in the God of my salvation. The psalmist learned a very similar lesson. In Psalm 46, do you remember when we talked about this? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, even though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, even though its waters roar and foam, even though the mountains tremble at its swelling, even though the world falls apart around me, God is my refuge and strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. I don't have to be afraid no matter what's happening around me. Now, we have to be wise. We have to be careful. We have to be loving of others. But we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear. God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help. Notice that. That's why we're not afraid, because he's with us. He's a present help. Even though the world falls apart around me, I'm not going to fear, because he's a very present help. That is, that is very reminiscent of the most famous psalm, the one that you know the best, Psalm 23. You remember Psalm 23 and verse 4? Even though, there it is, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. A very present help in time of trouble, therefore I will not fear. Even though I walk through the lowest time of my life, I'm down in the valley. And even though I go through the darkest time of my life, I'm in the shadow. Even though I go through the saddest time in my life, this is the valley of the shadow of death itself. Even though I have to go through that, I will not fear. Because you're with me. A very present help in time of trouble. That was Jesus' message to his disciples. You may remember, we spent a lot of time looking at the conversation they had in the upper room. We looked at John 15 through 17 and what Jesus said to his disciples on that night. And one of the things that he told them is he wanted to prepare them to remind them, I'm going to be with you. You're going to be okay. One of the things that he told them in John chapter 16, verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. But the world will rejoice. Now, that's not the verse we want to hear. That's not what we want to hear Jesus say. We want to hear Jesus say, because you're mine, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. You never have to suffer again. Because you're mine, life is good and traveling's easy. Because you're mine, you're going to have 
all, all the stuff you need, all the, 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 the pain is going away, and you never get sick again. All you got to do is believe, and you can have it all. If you've never heard that, I'll, I'll tell you what TV station to listen to, and you can get all that you want. But what does he say? What he does say is, you're going to weep and lament. Guys, I love you so much, he says to his disciples. Guys, I love you so much. I want you to be ready. I want to be honest. I want you to know what you're about to face. You are going to weep and lament. Those of you who are waiting on life to get fair, you're wasting your time and your energy. Throw it away. Life is not ever going to be fair. Jesus never promised that. What he promised was, you're going to weep and lament. While you're still in this fallen world, in this fallen life, where everything's jacked up, you're going to be messed up. And when that happens, it only gets worse in Jesus' First statement, when that happens, the world is going to rejoice. <laughs> look, at those, look at those believers. Look at those Christians. Look at those church people. <laughs> they got it bad too. <laughs> but he didn't end there, did he? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, my friends. You will be sorrowful. But... Your sorrow will turn into joy. The implication is the world's temporary rejoicing is not going to lead them anywhere. But your temporary sorrow will lead to joy. Even though you're going to suffer and be sorrowful, there will be joy. We go back to the Old Testament and the psalmist follows up on that same idea basically when he says weeping may tarry for the night but joy comes in the morning. And by the way, there's nothing, there's nothing specifically significant about nighttime as much as what he's saying is weeping may tarry for a limited period of time. You see, because the sun's going to come up in the morning. You can't stop it. One of the, no matter what you do, the sun's coming up in the morning. Night is limited. Weeping may tarry for a limited time, but joy comes with the morning. Those of us who are going through a dark time right now, they call it the dark night of the soul. It's a spiritual suffering. It's a hard time. We're hurting. Beloved, hear the psalmist because the sun is about to dawn. A new day is, is beginning. The light is on its way. Our weeping may tarry for a night, but it's temporary because joy is coming in the morning. 
go back to the New Testament and follow up with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. Maybe you remember when we talked about this, he said, so we do not lose heart. Even though, there's our phrase, even though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. I tell you what, I don't know of a year that I have just been more tired. Anybody else feel that this year? Just tired. I tell you what, a couple of weeks ago, I was laid up in that chair and I was wasting away. Though our outer self is wasting away. But it's to some degree, it's been that way all year. We're just, we're just exhausted. We're worn out. And so this verse really speaks to us after 2020. But listen to what it says. Even though our outer self is wasting away, this temporary body that we have, I mean, even when we're healthy and happy, this temporary body is still in the process of wasting away. But even though that's true, the good news is the inner self is being renewed day by day. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And then we go back to the Old Testament. And we learned how much we need each other. When the writer of Ecclesiastes said, though a man might prevail against one who is alone. See that even though, even though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. In other words, a bad guy comes up to you, you know, he's, he's ready to jump you or whatever. You might have a hard time because it's one-on-one. -on -one. He might prevail against you. But I see that happening, and I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to jump in on your side. Now we're two against one. We got a much better chance. Well, since it's me, you have a little bit better chance. Even though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. We need each other, friends. I know some of y'all voted wrong, I mean differently than I did. I understand that. We don't see the pandemic the same. I get it. We struggle with issues of race. We struggle with economics. But friends, regardless of what divides us, we were made to need each other. And we have to overcome the divisions so that we can stand together. That's part of what it means to be in the family of God. He made us that way on purpose. Where a bad guy, even though a bad guy might prevail against one, when you and I stand together, we'll withstand him. Isaiah told us one of the most beautiful even though statements in Scripture. 
I've, I've read it thousands of times. I've preached it hundreds of times. And yet every time I see it, it speaks to me again. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. In other words, he says, guys, come on. Just listen. Let's talk. Even though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Even though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Scarlet and crimson are the deepest, darkest reds. It's almost as if he's saying, the reddest red you know, even though your sins are the reddest red you know, he'll forgive and cleanse and make them white like wool and snow. Those of you who've been around a while have heard me tell this memory many times. So if you've heard it too many times, take a quick nap and I'll wake you up when I'm done. But I remember when I went to, when I drove to seminary one morning, I was taking it, I was supposed to take a test that day. And so I needed to review my notes right before I went into class. I drove a little bit early, sat in a parking lot. I pulled out my notes to review them before I went in to take the test. I had studied my notes. I had highlighted them with the yellow highlighter. I pulled out my notes. Don't have time to read the whole semester of notes, just the highlighted parts. So I pull out my notes, and I look at them, and there are no highlights. It's just notes. And it took me probably three or four minutes to figure out what was going on. I reached up, and I kind of scratched my head, and the highlights appeared. What had happened was I was wearing yellow sunglasses. And when you look through yellow at something that's yellow, it appears white. When God, because of his infinite mercy and grace, looks through the red blood of Jesus Christ at our crimson red sin, he sees it as snow and wool. He forgives and cleanses the most beautiful even though statement in Scripture perhaps. And we go back to the New Testament in 1 Peter. Remember we spent a lot of time in 1 Peter. That's one of the books that we took verse by verse and covered it very carefully. He says, though you have not seen him, even though, now listen to this, faith, even though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. When we read Isaiah and he says, he says that, that, that crimson red sin can be white as snow, it can be forgiven and it can be cleansed. We say, oh, I want that so badly. I want to be right with God again. How does that happen? Well, 
Peter tells us how it happens. He says, even though you can't see him, you love him. Even though you can't see him, you believe him. And when you do that, he says, you obtain the outcome of that faith, which is salvation for your souls. Forgiveness and cleansing. Redemption. The red becomes white. Even though you've not seen him, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you believe him. Changes your life forever. And that's really kind of what Jesus was talking about in John 11. In John 11, Lazarus has died and, and, and Jesus shows up after Lazarus is dead. Mary and Martha are there. and He says, he says to Lazarus' sister, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. Isaiah says that sin is like scarlet, but it can become white as snow. Peter says the way that happens is even though you can't see him, you love him and you believe in him, and the result is salvation. And Jesus says, even though, once you've experienced that salvation, even though you die, you live forever. Thank God for the even those in Scripture.